Welcome to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Homestyle. Thanks to Red Energy, born and bred in Melbourne. That's Red Energy. My name's Jane Neild and Shana Blaze and I jump into a studio every couple of weeks to talk all things design to find out what Shana is up to. And of course, Shana Blaze, interior designer, author, TV presenter, winner of the Celebrity Apprentice 2021, judge on the block on Channel 9 with a new series coming very soon and founder of of Voice of Change Australia, except we're not in the studio as planned, Shana. Let's not get everyone on a real downer to uh, talk about the fact that once again, we are back in lockdown. But thank you for taking half an hour out of your renovation schedule for to join us here on Homestyle for Red Energy. Now, last time we spoke, you were still borrowing power from your neighbours after big storms knocked out uh, a whole lot of people in your area. Have you got power back on? Are you still baking for the neighbours and trying to keep them sweet? Not only do I have power, I actually have the heating. First time I've had heating since February, so that's a bit exciting. And is your renovation on track? For those who don't know, Shana has purchased a place in regional Victoria, probably an hour and a little bit away from Melbourne. You're a couple of weeks out from completion, Shana. Has the schedule gotten back on track after the storms? Uh, no, not really. I, th- I think you just, with the way the storms were, with the way the power was, um, you know, we're probably about a month out of what we were wanted to be. And now that we've got another lockdown, there's a few other things. So, yeah, I think we're a good six of, six weeks out of what we projected. So considering what we've been up against, oh, I think that's pretty good to tell you the truth. And for those of us amateurs listening, it is kind of... It is interesting to know that someone as professional as yourself can also encounter all of the hitches that come up with a renovation. Look, we have got a special guest today. I thought we'd get you two back together before the block hits our TV screens very soon. He needs little or no introduction. We are talking about Scotty Cam, Gold Logie Award winner, star of the block on Channel 9. He also joins us from lockdown. So welcome to Homestyle, Scotty, via the old Zoom. Hello, girls. How are you? Lovely to be here. Lovely to have a chat. It's it's good. But the, the fact that we're locked down again, it's sort of something that happened earlier last year. You just think you'd never be in this place again. But how are you feeling at the moment with lockdown, Scotty? Uh, yeah, look, not too bad. Um, I, I don't actually mind lockdown because like you, Shana, I'm very busy all the time. And lockdown is sort of like um, a little bit of a, um, you know, a reset as well. I mean, obviously... If you had a small business, uh, hospitality or building in New South Wales, you'd be in a lot of trouble and and it's terrible for the industry and terrible for small business. Um, So I I certainly don't wish lockdown upon anyone or myself, but it is an opportunity to um, maybe reset and uh, smell the roses a bit and spend some time, quality time with family. I'm very lucky that my three children live at home with my wife and I. So, you know, long chats around the dinner table uh, because they can't go anywhere and, you know, kids in their 20s are out every night and doing stuff, but obviously they can't do that. So it's it's really uh, a nice little family get-together. Uh, and I can still do a bit of work. I've got voiceovers to do for the block, which is about 50-odd episodes worth of voiceovers, so there's a lot of that. But I've, I've built a, a studio in, uh, in my workshop and I can do the voiceovers from there, so it's just a matter of going downstairs, which is really nice, and I can knock them over uh, every... I basically do some every day. 
uh, you know, maybe get a day off here and there, but that, that doesn't take long. It's only half an hour. So it's, uh, it's pretty good uh, doing, doing that from home. I love the fact you've built your own studio. Um, do, will we see a DIY on how to build your own studio? I'd like to know. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's pretty easy, actually. I, I, I built the studio down there in a day. Ah! In lockdown last year. So, because uh, that was necessity. We needed to do voiceovers uh, for the show last year. So I knocked it up and uh, ordered some, um, you know, the foam eggshells that you see in studios. I just ordered a couple of boxes of those online and uh, glued them onto the walls and uh, Bob's your So many people doing extra podcasts now, people doing Zooms and things like that. We all need a little bit of that. I'd, I'd love to see a bit of that, Scotty. Yeah, well, I've, I've actually built one at the farm as well. Uh, and uh, my son and I built that in about half a day. We knocked it up and I did voiceovers in it that afternoon. That was, uh, <laughs> that. That was last year too. So I've, my wife and I have just been up the farm uh, before lockdown started and uh, spent a bit of time up there. And I did voiceovers every second day from, from that studio as well. So it's pretty good. Love it. Talk about adapting, it's brilliant. Got to adapt in the lockdown, haven't you? <laughs> now, Scotty and Shana, tell us about the first time you met and your memories of starting to work together. Scotty, how long ago would that have been? I mean, the block, what, 12, 13 years now? Yeah, the block's been going for about 10 or 11 years, but we're doing season 17. And I think, Shana, you came on board in about 20, uh, 2011 or something like that. Is that right? Yeah, I, it was the um, South Melbourne one. So oh, it was South the Melbourne. one. Yeah, Dorcas Street. Yeah, uh, that's the one. So that was probably about 2012 or 13 around there. Yeah. yeah. I remember um, Julian Cress, our executive producer, uh, we were just having a production meeting and he said, we're going to make a change to uh, our judging panel and we're bringing in Shana Blaze. And I uh, knew of Shana, but I hadn't met her before. And I thought that's a terrific idea to have a female set of eyes over the, because uh, uh, we always had men. Uh, so it was good to, um, to get a female perspective of the designs and the construction and things like that. So it was, it's been a great, uh, you know, asset to the show. There's no doubt about it. Oh, thanks. I, I do remember that first um, couple of days of judging when uh, we met was in St Kilda when we did the Challenge House and it was painted oh, yeah. as a block house. And, both, it was my first day and um, there was, the, remember those trees out the front? I can't remember, were they plain trees? Oh, or yeah, yeah, and they, uh, and they blew in the wind and they got caught in your throat. Yeah. And, uh, and they, we all went into coughing fits. Yeah, and I remember that my first day of judging, it happened halfway through and I had a coughing fit and I, and I lost my voice for, I reckon, maybe half an hour. And all I kept thinking is, oh, my God, they're going to sack me. I, I can't even, I can't. I, they think I've lost nerves, and but then they told me the same thing happened to you the day before. Yeah, yeah it did. And uh, you, you cough and cough and cough. With those little airborne um, seedlings or something from that yeah. tree, uh, yeah, got, you breathe them in and they, they got in stuck in your throat. Yeah, it happened to me, exactly. Um, but uh, we would never have sacked you, Shana. <laughs> Well, the trouble was I lost my voice. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll just point to things and do crosses or tips. <laughs> yeah, that was the big red house, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that, that was incredible. And that was quite a hard judging because that was um, to judge people whether they were going to make it on the block. So people were against each other. So I sort of, I'm sort of glad we don't have to do that one or they, I don't know, Julian is just incredible that he just throws something all the time but there was a couple of seasons where people would do a challenge and they either got in or they were out 
Yeah, that we did that for the first three or four years, and it was a traumatic experience for me as well. Like someone, a couple so close to getting on, and then I'd have to tell them, um, you, know, you know, that you're, you're out and you've got to go home. And I always used to say to myself, just relax, no one's dying here. It's yeah. just getting booted off a show before you start. So I, I, I oh, but it was traumatic. I, I didn't like doing it. And uh, it was really hard, a little piece of script to read out, actually. Yeah, I really feel for you, because you're the, you're the front person, you're the there, you're the one there getting the brunt of everything that happens, you know, hence some judging from me and the boys. Uh, yeah, you're the one just, uh, 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 but I love it. I'm just the messenger. I'm just the messenger. <laughs> yeah, they still attack me in the Sunday night judging in the studio. They attack me for the stuff I read out that you guys have said, and um, they blow up, and, and, uh, and I go, like, they blow up at me. I'm just reading it out. <laughs> uh, they, uh, they still carry on like chooks. <laughs> time do you guys actually get to spend on set because I'm kind of guessing Scotty that you're there more when the contestants are and then Shana and the judges walk through at different times like it's sort of is it ships in the night or you just catch up at the catering uh, tent? Well, on judging day Sunday uh, because our shows in real time really uh, you know they start on Monday morning and they get judged on Sunday uh, morning uh, when the whistle goes down at nine o'clock and I see Shane and Darren and Neil, uh, uh, once they finish judging and they're just really walking out and about to go home. And uh, I just say a quick hello and, and uh, then I've got to get back to the studio and um, and we start filming in studio for the Sunday night. Yeah, so it's not much time. It's more we just get to see each other when it's rap parties and logies more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> And your predictions for the block uh, this year, Scott, um, Shana has said that it's it's pretty mind-blowing, you know. How's the calibre of contestants and, and what kind of work are they really um, doing this year? Is it going to sort of blow our minds? Yeah, look, it is. It's always different and it's going to be a really great season this year. We've got some very big characters um, and obviously you would have seen from the promos, we've got all-stars, Mitch and Mark and Ronnie and Georgia coming back who are larger-than-life characters and then three sets of newbies who are very volatile at times. And there's um, probably the, the, the most enormous body corporate meeting we've ever had in, in the history of the show. The most aggression and um, name-calling and shouting and screaming. That happens in the first couple of weeks. So, and then the, and alliances sort of happen and, and then people dislike each other and then they get back together and then they hate each other again. So, and, and that's just not even including the building process. That's just the, uh, you know, the contestants uh, on set. And so the building itself is amazing. Uh, five houses in a cul-de-sac that are in a really uh, terrible state of disrepair and they've got to bring them back to life and, uh, and they do. And, and they turn out to be incredible homes. The change uh, of these houses as the weeks go on is really amazing and we're going to see some really incredible new building products, uh, new building styles, uh, and, uh, and some great designs, and Shana will Shana's seen them all. There's some amazing designs from Arthur, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely phenomenal. And, you know, the thing is, these people, you know, other than the All-Stars, they've got experience, but these other three um, houses, the contestants in there, they've got no experience at all. And what they can produce and, you know, their support from the suppliers and also their build team um, comes into play. What they produce phenomenal and in the time frame 
And each week, about halfway through, Scotty, each week we were going, there's no way they can finish it. There's there's no way. I can't wait to see it from a viewer's perspective because I don't know what Scotty knows about the contestants because we don't see them. We hear about a little bit of drama, but nothing really. So I can't wait, wait to see how they actually achieve it each week because quite a few times I just went, I, I don't know how they did this. I really don't. Yeah, look, that's, um, that's really true. We, we, we are saying that all the time, you know, like there's no way you're going to get this finished, but they... And sometimes they don't. It's incredible that people that some of them with no renovating experience in the past are, are building these homes and getting them done and, and working through the night. It's just truly amazing. And and I, from a, 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 a builder, a carpenter of 40 years, I, I look at it and say, you know, I, I definitely would struggle here to do this. And these guys are just focused and they're getting it done. And it's a real, it's a, it's a great show to watch for that reason, but it's also a fun show at the same time. I've said about a body corporate meeting that's um, that that's quite uh, you know aggressive and things like that. But that's just heats of the moment, and um, and it's it's a fun show to watch. We have a lot of uh, good times on there as well, and the the construction side of things is um, is just amazing as, as usual. We can't have favourites, and we don't have favourites because that's just not how it works. But the, is there any sort of design aspects that sort of we cut without giving it away in, in any sort of areas of the house? Are there any sort of design aspects that blew you away? Oh, yeah, look, 100%. I, I, and, I, and I won't name any names because I think the viewers will, will see that when, when it comes on. But there's, there's bits and pieces of each house that I think is incredible and, the, and I love the design of. Uh, some I don't like. But um, in, in all the houses, there's something I could take out of there uh, for sure, and in the past, I've because I've obviously renovated a few homes and built a few homes, uh, uh, like at my farm, where uh, I built a home there, and I and I took a bathroom out of uh, Fans versus Phaser Ducks House uh, in Albert Park. Uh, it was a winning ensuite, and I just replicated that ensuite, so I didn't have to think about anything. I just copied uh, because I really love that ensuite. So. Um, and I did use the same tiles, I used the same vanities that I made a bench top for and, and things like that. So I, I certainly always grab ideas and love certain things about all the houses. I could never say that I like this house the best in total, but I certainly like things uh, uh, individually out of each one. I think that's a really great form of flattery, Scotty, that you've done that for um, those contestants. But at the same, I'm the same with you. I can never say which house is my favourite because they don't always get it right every week because they're under the pump. Their budgets don't work sometimes. Their great idea one week falls, you know, has a bad domino effect for another week. So I think that's what makes it so good that they don't always get it perfect because it'd be a bit boring if they did. Yeah, I think so too, and um, it, it's never always perfect, but uh, I'll tell you what, there's a couple of houses on this year that are bloody close to almost perfect, uh, and uh, and I think that, um, you know, the viewers are going to make that decision for themselves, uh, but uh, they'll know who I'm talking about. Yeah, I think I know that too. <laughs> now, Scotty, you're saying that you lifted the design of an ensuite from one of the block shows. I also know that you lifted an entire vintage cast iron oven or something from the Gatwick. Yeah, when yeah, look, at my farm, I've got a, um, I, I've built a really big uh, sort of outdoor kitchen area, all wood fired, um, and I've got a, an old diesel tank that I've converted into a uh, like a big pizza oven, smoking oven. 
and I've got a wood-fired barbecue with a big hot plate, 10 mil thick, which is six foot by four foot, so you can cook a lot of steaks on there. And then I've got a pit that I do camp ovens in. And I took the, the commercial wood-fired oven, and I don't think you find these much anymore because in a commercial situation, uh, a wood-fired oven would be replaced pretty quickly in a, in a commercial kitchen. But this was out of the Gatwick Hotel in St Kilda that we did about three or four seasons ago. And uh, because the Gatwick was extremely original and uh, falling down around us, um, the, the original wood-fired oven, which is two, nearly three metres long, with four ovens in it and hot plates all the way along, um, you know the old black metas, meters uh, ovens that you see in old Victorian homes? This is a commercial version of that. Uh, and I crane that out, uh, much to our delight for our builders, because they just wanted to run a, a machine through there to knock it over. But I made them crane it out and store it. And then I had it trucked up to the farm and, and I'm restoring it at the moment, actually, just, um, you know, getting it all, all the rust off it and, um, and I'll repaint it with a potbelly black. And then um, in, and I'm installing it outside in that outdoor kitchen. So it's the original commercial wood-fired oven from the Gatwick's uh, commercial kitchen. Because the Gatwick used to be a pretty high-end hotel where people used to go and have dinner um, in the dining rooms there and they'd have a, a dance and things like that. And you could stay beachside at the Gatwick until it was turned into a boarding house. So um, this, this is the original oven from, I, I would have thought, um, early 1900s, maybe even late 1800s. Wow, and they're the sort of ones that they had burning for probably 18 hours a day because it had to be consistently keeping going to keep Yeah, going. yeah. Well, I've got a Rayburn uh, in the bush, uh, which is the old English uh, wood-fired ovens, and my wife and I were there uh, for three weeks recently before well, we spent a bit of lockdown up there, um, and I had that Rayburn going for three weeks, 24 hours a day. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's the house and you cook on it every night. That's cool. That's yeah, really cool. Yeah, it is very cool. So, Scotty, do you have some tips for listeners? And I put myself in this category. I cannot pass up either a bargain or when you see building material that you just know, you know, is incredible old hardwood or things that are coming out of buildings. Have you got any tips for listeners about how to use pre-loved materials, how to store that timber or, or what you should sort of be on the lookout for, but also not make your house look like a junkyard? <laughs> Yeah, look, I suppose you've got to have somewhere to put it. That's the big thing. My, my philosophy is, and I've had this for many years, I used to always collect bricks. If I, uh, and, and, you know, my wife said, why are, you, why are you saving those two bricks or picking them up? I said, if you get enough of these, you can build a whole house. So I, I, I've got lots of bricks floating around uh, that I, I've collected over the years. And if there was, you know, we're on a job and there was 30 bricks left over, I'd take them. And, and I've got a, 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 you know, through, through my business, I've got a couple of trucks and uh, I've got a three-ton tipper which I drive around a bit so if I see something I can load it up and uh, and take it. Uh, like just the other other week I saw a lawnmower that looked pretty good you know and it, was, it wouldn't start but I just took the carby apart and cleaned out the jet in the carby and, and put new fuel in it and it started straight first book. <laughs> and, it, and it's I was literally going to buy a lawnmower and I thought I might wait around until I find one because People throw things out that don't start all the time. And all you've got to do is give it a little bit of a clean out and put new fuel in it and away you go. So I was going to buy a lawnmower for, that I needed, but I found one. So I saved myself about 800 bucks. But as far as timber's concerned, it's something that I really like. Obviously, people look for iron bark 
and those beautiful old hardwoods and that sort of thing. But um, the timber that was used a lot back in the old days as floor in, in commercial buildings as well is, is Oregon. And uh, Oregon today is plantation Oregon and it's not that nice at all. It's pretty rough timber. Can't be used outside Oregon anymore. It's a grade, it's a grade two, so you, it can't be used externally, which it was uh, everywhere in Australia, certainly Melbourne and, and Sydney, uh, for pergolas and, and things like that. And that's why you see a lot of Oregon pergolas rotting away because they don't handle dampness. Mm. But the old Oregon that comes out of, um, out of buildings is, um, is absolutely beautiful and the grain in it is magnificent. And if you can get your hand, it's quite light, uh, as in weight. Um, and if you can get your hands on some of that, you put it through a thicknesser and you can do that at a timber yard or something like that. And uh, it comes up absolutely beautiful. I've just built some bench tops yesterday, actually, from some old Oregon that came out of the central railway station in Sydney. Um, a mate of mine does demolition. And, uh, and so I got some of those uh, sticks off in those six feet twos and I uh, glued them all together. I've got these special clamps that uh, clamp and clamp uh, through. So, uh, and I've made these magnificent bench tops out of this old Oregon, and it really is um, something really lovely. You can you can put it on a kitchen bench or something like that. It's really lovely. Mm, I love it. I, I think that's the the greatest thing about sort of like looking at recycled materials and things like that is looking at the quality of what it was before we had to sort of forest everything. So, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and if you go, if you're in Melbourne and you get a chance when lockdown finishes, you go to Jeff's Shed, which is the exhibition centre there on the Yarra, and there is a piece of Oregon hanging on the wall that they ripped out of the old wool store or whatever the, the factory was that where Jeff's Shed is. Um, and obviously the builders were in the know because this piece of Oregon is about, uh, it's about a 10 by 6, maybe it's a 12 by 6, and it'd be something like 30 metres long. Wow. Yeah, it's, and they, they, they realised like the most uniqueness of this stick of timber that came out of this factory, that they've hung it on the wall in the foyer of Jeff's shed. And when you go there, you have a look at it. It's, that's Oregon. It's amazing. Wow. Yeah, and that's the thing. A lot of people dismiss that and not really know the quality of it, but that's incredible. Yeah, and if that was dressed up, oh my gosh, I don't know what you'd do with it because it's thirty. And it might be thirty metres long, but it's it's the biggest stick of timber I've ever seen. But you wouldn't want to cut it up too. No, like, no. yeah, not at all. Now, Scott, before we let you go, I've heard a rumour that you are the man who would always have incredible sight dogs. So, Shana, tell us about sight dogs and your memories of, of Scotty having uh, these beautiful dogs, what they bring to a work site. Uh, I think Rosie's the one I know um, most in the fact of, you know, she was, um, was it Backyard Blitz she was on with you? Uh, well, Lizzie was on first and then Rosie was on second. Yeah, and they were always just sort of there in the background looking just calm and just being a, a beautiful addition to the show. And you know, I know you've now got Frankie, who's just absolutely adorable, and Phoenix, who's a border collie. I'd love her to be more of a sight dog, but she, her attention span, like, she's really good, but there's, it'll just, one sound will just set her up and she's off. You're an amazing trainer with your dog. What's the best tip for having a dog as a sight dog? Uh, look, I think um, uh, the most important thing with dogs, and, and all dogs, uh, is to be on their case for the first 12 months of their life. 
So if, if you, and I'm not talking about being cruel or punishing or belting or anything like that, it's just be on them 24 hours a day and be barking at them and growling at them and making noises to tell them that you're in charge and you're the boss. And if you give them a bit of a hard life, uh, for the first 12 months, they'll have 13 years of a very good life. That's my theory on, on training dogs, is that you're just with them and on them 24 hours a day. And every time they get up to move, you rouse on them if you want them to stay still. You rouse on them and you go crook at them. And then, you you know, you can bark at them like their mother would bark at them. And, yeah. um, and, and if you do that, they'll get to know what's going on. Now, Frankie uh, is an, an, uh, my third Kelpie that I've had, and uh, and we, you know we, we went hard on her for the first 12 months, and then then she's going to have a she's got a great life now. She's two years old now, and she comes back, she stays with me, she sits and does things like that. But and, and I see so many people with dogs that are antisocial that you can't take anywhere and they run right, they go crazy. So what you tend to do then is leave that dog at home instead of taking it to a barbecue or to a friend's house. So the dog misses out because it hasn't been trained correctly for the first 12 months of its life. And, and then of course, Lizzie and, and uh, Rosie, my two other Kelpies, they came everywhere with me because they were well-trained and they were polite. That's mm -hmm. what I always think, a dog should be polite, not jumping on people and jumping up and, and running around crazy. Uh, they've got to have fun. We take Frank and she runs around like mad when she's at the park and the beach and things like that. But she'll never jump up. She'll, she'll never lift her front paws onto yeah. someone because that's something I really can't stand with a dog that jumps on you yeah. uh, when it greets you. And, and people just say, oh, it's all right. She just like, wants to say hello. You know, and you know, you say, get your dog off me. Yeah. Like, don't let it come near me or like that. It's got to be polite. That's what I train my dogs to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good advice. I've, I've got to say, I was probably a little bit soft with Phoenix. <laughs> um, but she, she doesn't jump. It's just, it's just her recall when other dogs are involved. There's another dog around, you know, we're white noise. So I'm, I'm going to take her back to training and just be a lot harder than what I should have been before. Yeah, just if, if she gets up, they go, hey, sit down, don't yeah. move, you know, and you just rouse them. And they get to know it. They know what's going on. They go, every time I get up, he shouts at me, so I might not get up anymore. <laughs> I like that one. I did that to my kids. Yeah. Well, you know what? We're harder on our kids. Uh, we're softer on our dogs than we are on our kids. That's what's happening in the world today. The world's gone mad where dogs are like people. You know, they're, they're treated like people instead of treated like dogs. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, good advice. Yeah, lovely to talk to you as well. And um, uh, have, have a, a, a hopefully a good time in lockdown. I hope your red eye goes well. I'm about to head off with my uh, my son and play a game of golf uh, right now. In lockdown? Can you play golf in lockdown? We're allowed to play golf in twos only. There you go. Well, that sounds very civilised. Yes. Brilliant. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy and um, I'm out with your family too. See you later. And that was Scotty Cam, our guest on Homestyle today, thanks to Red Energy, 100% Australian electricity and gas. When's the block hitting our screen, Shana? When do I have to um, hit record in my program? <laughs>
Honestly, programming keeps us in the dark. When the ad comes on TV, when it's going to air, that's when I find it so that no one leaks it. So I just have to be patient, Jane. Just stay glued to TV and find out. No worries. Well, thank you so much. Good luck with the rest of the Renault. And look, with any luck, we can actually be in the studio together in a couple of weeks' time. If people want to send their questions through, podcasts at sen.com.au. A huge thanks to Red Energy. If you're in lockdown, you've been thinking about doing the whole phone call and organising your bills, changing to Red Energy, do it while you've got the time and the Melbourne-based team are going to help you out. Thank you, Shana. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jane. Everyone, please stay safe out there. Thanks for listening to Homestyle with Shana Blaze. Thanks to Red Energy. Born and bred in Melbourne with a customer solutions team based here. Switch to Red Energy today. Hello, it's Stavros from O'Brien Real Estate. Want to know what's happening in real estate? Join me on Under the Hammer. Market trends, boom suburbs, and what to do if you're buying or selling. We've got it all on Under the Hammer. Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series. Available from wherever you get your podcasts and the SEN app.